Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. It's Friday, March 24th. I'm Laura Ziegler, filling in for Nomeen Ujiadeen. Coming up. As Missouri and Kansas legislatures hear multiple bills related to the transgender community, we'll hear one family story of raising a non-binary teen, their many years of advocacy, and what their teen's experience was when they went to testify before some of those lawmakers proposing bills restricting rights for trans people. And went and had the most horrific experience when a senator questioned if they've had surgery in their genitals right there in front of everyone in the middle of a hearing. But first, some headlines. A lawsuit filed this week in Jackson County alleges that Kansas City police targeted minority neighborhoods to meet illegal ticket quotas. KCUR's Peggy Lowe has that story. 44-year-old police veteran Edward Williams claims command staff gave officers ticket quotas they knew were illegal under Missouri law. Williams says they were also told to be, quote, ready to kill everybody in the car when they pulled people over for citations. Williams also alleges that KCPD command told officers to respond to calls for help only in white neighborhoods. Williams blames former Chief Rick Smith for the directives. Current Chief Stacy Graves says KCPD assigns patrols in areas with a lot of crashes and citizen complaints, and it doesn't target neighborhoods by demographics. The Kansas City Council passed its $2 billion-plus budget for the upcoming year. The largest share of that will fund the police department. City Hall officials say KCPD is getting more than the 25 percent of the city's general fund required by state law, but they did not say how much more. Dylan Piles is an organizer with Decarcerate KC. He says the way the city allocates his funding is confusing. There has not been a ton of transparency for different reasons from the city about how the 25 percent is calculated. Some council members attempted to allocate $5 million more million to the department, but that effort did not pass. And we'll be right back. It's Friday night. What places are you heading to for post-work happy hour? Tell us. This podcast is making a best of the best list and needs recommendation for happy hour menus at restaurants in KC. Text us at 816-601-4777. That's 816-601-4777. Standard texting rates apply. The Missouri Senate on Thursday passed legislation that bars minors from gender-affirming health care and another bill that keeps trans student-athletes from participating in sports that match their gender identity. The bills are just a couple of a slew of proposals before Missouri and Kansas lawmakers aimed at restricting rights of LGBTQ and particularly trans people. One of the Missouri advocates trying to stop some of these measures from passing is Debbie Jackson. She and her husband Tom have a child who began a non-medical transition to become a girl at the age of four. Now 15, Avery uses they-them pronouns and identifies as a non-binary teen. Since Avery was young, Debbie has used her background as a communications professional to educate herself, her family, and people in her community about transgender kids. But as she and her husband Tom told me in an extended conversation earlier this month, today's political climate has created challenges they've not faced in all their years of advocacy. Here's part of my conversation with Debbie and Tom. I mean, the last time we talked, everything was moving in a positive direction. All of that positive momentum 
was taking place and then National Geographic came out and we had the gender revolution and it was literally one month later that Trump came into office and everything started going backwards. And um, that was when people felt more emboldened to get online and say really hateful things. That's when um, the fear really uh, escalated, uh, Just for, not just overall what's happening in the country, but personal safety at that point in time. Um, we had never really felt personally unsafe until then. What's happening now, uh, you guys have really leaned into this issue how do you see what's going on now? Politically, they're going after the trans community because so few people have known trans people, um, much fewer than, um, you know, they, the gay people, gay coworkers, friends, family in their lives. Um, but they're also doing it now with trans kids because they failed on the bathroom bills several years ago. People weren't afraid of someone going in the bathroom. You go in the bathroom, you close the stall, you leave. It didn't have the impact that they wanted. But now they can come back and use words like uh, pedophiles and grooming and mutilation and use that inflamed rhetoric to attack doctors, parents, all the people who were the voices of reason in stopping the previous bills. They have to take away our power as advocates. And the best way to do that is to say that we are child abusers and groomers and pedophiles. Have you actually heard that kind of stuff on the floor in Jefferson City, We heard it in a hearing three weeks ago. What? uh, uh, Four weeks ago. Pretty much every time. A woman stood up and said, these these lifestyles are satanic. And I I mean, I can't even remember the exact verbiage, but she basically was talking about how uh, you know, trans people are satanic and they need to find God. And this was, they were, she was testifying to the committee about how trans people were against the will of God. And then her time was up and she stood up and she turned around to every trans person sitting in the room and she ran out of the room crying. It was ridiculous. But this is, this is who they are recruiting to come and support them as their constituents and and they say, see, my people have spoken. This is so important to them. I must comply. I must do what my constituents want from me. They're actually beholden not so much to their constituents on this, but on their funders. Well, that's what I was gonna say. So uh, who's behind this whole rhetoric? Who do you think is I mean, it drives follow, driving the movement. Follow the money. Uh, you know, you look at organizations like the Family Research Council, Alliance Fending Freedom, all of these orgs that they've stated for 40 to 50 years, their sole purpose has been to eradicate queer people from culture. That is literally the purpose of the Family Research Council. It says it on their website. They are the ones that are funding um, a lot of these legislatures. They're the ones that are crafting the words for the bills that are going from state to state. Even in the hearing that we were just in yesterday, the woman who proposed the bill, when asked, said, I didn't write this bill. I took the language from Florida, and Florida got the language from the Family Research Council or those big money donor groups. So, Which bill was that? Uh, it was the, the parental the rights parental bill. The parental rights bill. So this is a national movement. And Missouri yes. and Kansas happen to be really getting on board. 
they they are i mean there are a couple of other states that are worse and moving faster tennessee for instance is already all over all of these things um but yeah missouri's leading the way there, there are now a couple of states that have more anti-lgbt bills overall but missouri still has the most anti-trans bills and they're they're literal duplicates of each other and we were in one hearing about sports bills and um one of the uh, representative, or I guess it was senator on that one, uh, a Senate bill said, um, why did you bring this bill forward? I look at your bill and this other bill that we're also debating in this hearing, and they seem to be word for word the same bill. And she said, well, yes, but this is such an, an important topic that I didn't just want to be a co-sponsor or sign on. I thought it was important to have my name on it. So that's, again... I don't really believe in the bill itself, but I need the street cred with the people who are going to donate to my campaign and to my constituents to say that I led the charge on this. I introduced the bill. It had my name on it. This is pure politics. We talk about the constituents of these legislators just following them because this is what they hear. How many, how much do you think this is because they just have never met a trans person? They have no education about what the impact of some of these laws might have on these kids. I think that's probably part of it. But as we were talking about earlier, you know, when after Obama, we started making some progress. That's when you started to see things like the cover of National Geographic. You saw Laverne Cox on the cover of Time magazine. You saw documentaries about trans kids. You, you started to see exposure. And it was only when we started getting pushback and the community was getting hate that you started to see some of that die down. So you kind of need a positive environment for exposure to be well accepted. But yet when you're in a negative environment full of hate and vitriol, people are afraid to come out and be public and tell their stories because ultimately what it's going to take is people seeing that these are real children that are real families and we're just normal people with children who have extraordinary circumstances. So it's kind of a chicken and egg thing. I mean, if people don't meet any uh, adults or children who are trans, they're not going to have the exposure. They're not going to get to know them as human beings. Yeah. And if they don't, then they're going to believe the myths right. and the rumors well, and the, the hate. Yeah. I have friends who say my existence is resistance, you know, and it's, it's one of those things like I'm pushing back just by existing. Um, I don't have to be involved in advocacy at the Capitol because my very presence in my community is advocacy. It's letting people see who a trans person is. And that's very real. And unfortunately, the speed and intensity of everything that's happening right now is making people so afraid that people are starting to want to hide again. I have friends here, adult friends in Missouri who are figuring out how to detransition right now. And it's not because they aren't trans anymore. They live in the Ozarks. They live down where people are coming for these little uh, camps to learn how to shoot and, and be what militias militia and camps. militia camps. And they're like, these are people I might see at the grocery store. I don't feel safe anymore. Maybe I should try to blend in again. And, and I think that's another big part of this is to scare people so much that they don't come out and advocate for themselves. And that's why we need allies to show up and to do that work for them. Mm -hmm. Is there a big trans community in Kansas City area? I mean, who do you hang with? Right now, as far as community, we're not super connected to a lot of people because 
Avery has, you know, been in that I don't want to be out there and be exposed mode. So we're not dragging them to pride and and trying to go to, uh, you know, a drag brunch or anything like we would have done in the past. So it's so so was it was there a time that you noticed a switch with Avery? I mean, did they say all of a sudden I'm hearing all this stuff and. I don't want to be out there anymore. I want to be more low profile. Yeah, the, the Nat Geo stuff and, and the weird things were happening around the home. Um, and that was also the time when we had the split with my parents. Um, they were not happy about it. Nat Geo horrified them. Oh my gosh, we're so embarrassed that this is happening to our family. We just can't even talk about it. We're so embarrassed. Um, so that was the big um, thing that caused so much stress. It was the complete breakdown of the, the these grandparents do not love me. They're never going to accept me kind of thing. Um, and we couldn't pretend anymore that they might come around. So that was a big moment, uh, a big shift. Um, but then last year uh, said, I, I really need to go and testify again. All these other kids are doing it. I need to do my part and went and had the most horrific experience when a senator questioned if they've had surgery in their genitals right there in front of everyone in the middle of a hearing. Um, and that caused so much trauma. Um, the hearing ended. Avery was sitting in the back of the room, just shaking and crying, sweating uh, profusely, um, a, like a legitimate trauma response and said, I don't ever want to have to go back to the building again. So they haven't been this year. And um, so, I mean, that's hard. They, they feel like they need to be part of some advocacy. They don't want to not have their voice heard. And yet the idea of these people in power actually humiliating a person is so terrifying to them that this year we've talked about hearings and we're like, oh, we're going to have a hearing on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. We're going to have to go down again. And suddenly, weirdly, on Sunday night, Avery can't sleep can't keep food down, is really sick at their stomach and doesn't understand, oh, I, I'm, I, what did I get again? Can you check? Do I have a fever? Do I need to go to the doctor? And for two days before hearings, they're sick and they keep thinking, what is this weird bug that I have? Every week I get sick. Why am I getting sick? And they're not connecting the dots. It's literally PTSD. What, what is missing? What are we not hearing that we need to be hearing in this conversation? The one thing that I think we need to hear is not actually from trans people or, or family members even. It's from allies. It's people to say, oh, my gosh, this is outrageous. I can't believe they're attacking your body and your bodily autonomy and your ability to make decisions about who you are and what you want to do with your own life. Avery wanted to do sports and was like, I would love to play volleyball. I'd love to be on a girls volleyball team, maybe tennis if a school has tennis, but I would really want to play volleyball. And then the sports bills came up and it was, why would I go and roll in school now if they're going to look at a birth certificate and say, well, you can be a girl in the classroom, but no, we're not going to let you. You're going to play a boy's sport or no sports at all. Why would I want to be outed to all my new friends and, and have any of that happen to me? That was Debbie and Tom Jackson, parents of Avery Jackson, a 15-year-old non-binary teen talking about raising their child in a time when state legislatures are considering a number of bills restricting rights of the LGBTQ community. 
This is Kansas City Today. I'm Laura Ziegler, filling in for Nomeen Ujiadeen. This podcast was produced by Byron Love, Paris Norvell, and KCUR Studios. It was edited this week by Lisa Rodriguez. You can find more stories from our newsroom at kcur.org, where you can also find our live stream. Thanks for listening. Come back Monday for another edition of Kansas City Today. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you then. You listen to Kansas City Today every day because we're your local, reliable news source. You take us seriously. But now it's time to have some fun. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host Ari Shapiro is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org radioactive.